Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Thank you for being with us today. As Wes was just talking about that last song, I was remembering uh, Philippians 1 and just where he, uh, that truth is found where the Lord says, or Paul says, the Lord says through Paul, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. But before that, it says, I thank, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you and always in my prayers. And just thinking about, us and you and just so thankful for for our church family and thank you for being a part of what God is doing here and being with us today whether you're here in this room or or with us online but uh today's a big day for us as a ministry team it's vision Sunday now I know we think of the new year starting January but for us as a church family new year starts September first Sunday in September, that was last week, and the picture that we ran with was of a runway, and we're about to jump in the plane and, and take off to 2021 ministry year, but last Sunday, that picture of kneeling before the Lord in prayer was where we started, and really, we want to continue to live in that prayerful dependence on Him, but today, it is time to uh, climb up into that cockpit and rev the engines and accelerate down the runway into this new ministry season and last week I shared that moment of taking off down the runway with Reed Blair and um, what I did not share was something that shocked me both times that we took off it happened now Reed has been flying for like 30 plus years the guy's an experienced pilot has flown many 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 times but do you know what we did both times before taking off he pulled this up, a checklist, and he read through every check out loud. The second time we took off, he handed it to me, and he said, you do the checklist. And I'm like, reading through this, and I'm like, really? Important things like, you know, carb test and whatever, but also things that you should pretty well know, like check your seatbelt, check the door, make sure it's closed, shut the window, things like and you know what I started thinking? Do we really have to do this? I mean, you're a good pilot. You've flown for 30 years. Do we have to read through every one of these out loud and say, check? Really? To which wisdom screamed, yes, yes, yes. If you want to avoid falling from the sky like a rock, yes. Because all it takes is one oversight. One miss, and it's bad news. And I thought about our life with Christ and how important the fundamentals are, and as a church family, the checklist, you know? And I thought about our checklist as a church family, big picture. One is our core values. Who are we as a people, as a church, as the ecclesia, the called out ones of God? We are what? And with five come to mind, core DNA, core values, we are Jesus-focused, following Him. He said, come follow me, eyes on Him. We are Bible-based. The Word of God is what really forms all that we believe and what we follow, how we live our lives. We are love-fueled. 
Guys, what motivates us, what moves us, the fuel is God's love for us, but our love for each other and for Him as we live out our life mission. And we are Spirit-empowered. The, the engine in us is not our own strength, but the Holy Spirit empowering us to do what God's called us to do. Therefore, we rely on Him, and we are five unified around our mission, meaning we cannot do what we are called to do alone. And so we fight for our unity, our team. We're a body. The body's got to be working together. And so we, we seek peace, and we seek to be unified, and we seek um, oneness in Christ, and it's around a mission, which raises the question, all right, what's our mission? So we have our values check, but now mission check. So anybody want to come up and give? Our mission as a church family, uh, Dakota, are you feeling a brother? You're a pastor right now, it's early, all right. <laughs> our mission, but I know you could say it, it, is to help one another become fully devoted, all-in followers of Jesus Christ. For the glory of God. Mission check, we've all got that. <clears throat> but then that immediately raises the question, if that's our mission, how do we get there? Process check, process check. Process check is this. What is a fully devoted follower of Jesus? And we've identified five core heart attitudes of a Jesus follower. We see it in Jesus. We're called to pursue it. One is a love for God. Two is a compassion for people who are far from God. That's why Jesus came to earth and he, he didn't judge sinners. He, he had compassion on them and he went after them and he loved them. Three is a love for each other, the agape love for each other. Four is a growing faith um, through the ups and downs of life that we're seeking to grow in our trust for God. And then five, humility to serve, a growing humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Say, well, how do we develop those five? The process? Five core uh, habits. So you think, okay, as a church, a member of Westbridge, what is, what, what are every one of us committed to doing? Five habits. One is show up every week for our gathering. It's resurrection celebration. So this is where we, and what's the purpose? Grow in our love for God. Express our love to God and grow in our love for him. We call this worship. Second is reach. We're all reaching someone. And the image here is me and thee reaching one person who may not know Christ. And you can, even we were sitting at dinner a couple weeks ago, and, and a friend of ours said, this person is my one life. And so we're all praying for at least one life that um, somebody who we know doesn't know God, and we're seeking to, to communicate our faith with them. Third represents, the word is connect, but this is small group, where we're doing life as family in smaller groups. We say, uh, rows are good, circles are better, right? Kitchen table is where we, uh, or living room is where we really share life, care for each other, um, understand what's going on in each other's lives, and help each other um, through life and, be, and to become like Christ. Fourth is grow, the word grow, and this is, the picture here is little me meeting with the triune God every day and then walking with him that day. And last year, our, our theme was one thing, and it's a daily meeting, a weekly Sabbath, annual retreat, and this is just how we do life. I've often thought, you know, if there was the most important thing, if we get one thing, um, it's getting that, where John 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so it's that every day, it's, we commit to, to meet with the Lord in his word, and then through prayer, follow him. And then fifth is the, uh, the word serve. And this, the picture of the hand represents using my hands and whatever God has put in my hands to distribute his grace and goodness to the people around me and serving. So that's 
process check. I think we're all, uh, for most of us, that was review. So we have mission, uh, value check, mission check, process check. But now we come to vision check. And this is where it gets fun. In that uh, vision is what will happen if we're all pursuing, pursuing this. And when you get a team of fully devoted followers of Jesus together, what happens in that community and in that context? And you could say it many ways, but we say it around here as this. You get a little taste of heaven on earth. We have become an outpost of heaven right here on earth. Meaning, when we get together, we ignite worship in each other. Like, when we gather, we help each other grow in our love for God. And when, uh, when we get together or as we go do what God's called us to do, we will be reaching lost people. This coming year, there will be some people who step from an eternity apart from God into an eternity with God and into the joy of a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In your world, in my world, in our school, in our, at our work, whatever. Third, we will be doing life as family and creating moments where as we gather together, it's the safest place on earth where the love of Christ beats in our hearts for each other. And we're, when we go through hard times together, that place where, you know, like with COVID, I think we all felt that alienation, but even in COVID, we had our units. And I know for us, our unit, we had our band of brothers, band of sisters, small groups, families. By the way, one of the things that we're committed to as a church and what God, I think one of the most powerful places on planet earth is a family where Christ is, is central. As a launching pad for kids and, and uh, as a church family, we're committed to, and what we're going to do this coming year, continue to do is resource families to put Christ at the center and help families thrive. The, the core small group unit is the family unit, but we also do, we'll be doing, um, small groups will be forming bands of men and women and, and following Jesus together. It's going to happen. Um, fourth, what's going to happen is we'll be uh, encouraging each other in our faith and as we just continue to grow and take our next steps. And then fifth, that we will be an unstoppable force for good here in our community as we follow Christ into to where he's, he's leading us. So the uh, vision check. Now, next up is the, okay, that's big picture vision. What about this coming year? Where is God leading us as a, a church family in this unique time and place in the context of 2021, the 2021 ministry season? So in February, I, it was one cold day. I was at Twin Lakes Camp on the what I call the Vision Summit, but get away just to look into this next season and pray, God, where are you leading us? And it was this very question I was praying over as I'm reading through Scripture. And I came to that text, one of the, um, just a, such a neat text revealing the heart of our Lord, John 21, where he's, he cooks breakfast for his disciples on the beach. It was after his resurrection. They're all a little confused about what to do. Peter must be feeling like a failure after denying the Lord three times. And he has them, you know, get the big catch of fish. But then he brings them in and he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he reinstates him, says, okay, go care for my church, basically. But the last thing that he tells Peter, the conversation, is what really hit me as I was reading it that day. In verse 18, he says, Jesus says to Peter, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went 
where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And John says, Jesus said this in, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, which we know tradition has it. He, he did get led to crucifixion and actually crucified upside down. I, comforting part of this is it, the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Isn't it cool? God has, he knows how we will die, and that's our final opportunity to bring him glory. Death isn't a moment of failure, but rather a chance, one more chance to bring him glory. But here's what hit me. Then he said to him, follow me. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Two words. Follow me. And I can't help but think as he's telling Peter about, okay, this is how you're going to die and this is what I'm calling you back into. The, the concern in his eyes and the question marks and just the complexity of, and he, he puts it all into a sweet, simple two-word calling that becomes the north star how many times do you think in peter's life did he replay this moment and hear these simple words that would illuminate the path before him just follow me do you feel the just the sweet simplicity in that follow me peter <laughs> just lock in on me one leader one direction one focus one Follow me. And what does follow assume? Movement. Action. Th this isn't an intellectual exercise. This isn't a classroom setting. This is a movement. Let's go. I I'm going to be on the move, and here's your calling. Just follow me. Follow me. Follow me. To which the question comes, okay, where? It, it, where, where is Jesus going to lead? Where, where are you taking us? And the answer is given to us graphically. Moments earlier, a scene which would replay in Peter's mind, a scene that God has just placed in Scripture for us to know as well, and that's core to our calling. And it's found in John 13. John 13, Jesus is huddling with his followers just before the cross. And John writes this. It was just before the Passover festival. And the word Passover there and the festival, really, it's pregnant with significance as Jesus is our Passover lamb. But it says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he, he loved them to the end. And what's significant about this is really this is a title you could put this up as a title over this this whole 13 to 17 but we are about to watch the love of God in motion and he continues to set the scene the evening meal was in progress so can you smell it I don't know what was cooking but when you go home after Sunday and it's Sunday dinner and Tam has been spoiling us with some roast or meatloaf or whatever it's it's smelling good in this house but notice what's around the table the devil had already prompted judas the son of simon iscariot to betray jesus perfect goodness and vicious evil sitting at the same table goodness and love infinite love out to redeem a people 
about to take sin to the cross. And the snarling evil that would take a hit at infinite goodness, sitting at the same table. And what's Jesus know? The Father had put all things under His power. He had come from God, and He was returning to God. He knew He was sovereign King. He knew that He was eternal, and He knew that He was about to return to His glory. So He got up from the meal. People get ready. (laughs) God is getting up. When the living God gets up from the table, pushes back from the table, best be getting our phones out, put it on video mode, because he's about to do something. And and what's going to happen when God himself is sitting at the table with evil? And you just feel the intensity of this moment. Jesus knows the time is short. He knows what's about to happen. Love is about to be displayed, and he's about to display it. He's seeing things clearly. He knows who he is. He knows why he came. He knows where he's going. You can feel the intensity of this moment. What's going to happen? He's on the move. He got up from the meal. And here it comes. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He doesn't go flexing his power. He takes on the clothing of a servant, of a slave. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. The uh, context in this day Dirt roads, wearing sandals, your feet would get dirty. And at a, when you would go to someone's house, they would provide a slave or a servant or an early arriving guest would take on the role of the servant. And you'd wash, you would, it was custom to wash the feet of your dinner guests. These guys all march in um, with dirty feet, plop down around that table. And here we see our Lord taking on the role of a servant, humbly serving the disciples. You know, as you watch this scene play out, can you imagine what, what would you be thinking if you were, if Jesus was washing your feet, if you're one of the, the disciples? What would be going through your mind in these moments? And I, I just, two things to picture that help me think through this. Picture his hands and then picture your feet. So picture his hands. These hands, I, I know the thought, I think we'd all be thinking these hands should not be washing these feet these hands are the hands of the creator right you stop and think these are the hands that made these feet these are the hands that made the ground that these feet walk on <laughs> these are the hands that, that put the breath in the body that allow these feet to walk on the ground that these hands made these are the hands of the creator washing these feet These are the hands of a king, king of kings, lord of lords, royalty. He's just been thinking about that where all power is his. This is wrong. He should not be taking the role of of a servant in these moments. And these hands, these are the hands that are moving with mercy. 
A mercy that would allow nails to pierce through these hands on the, for the sake of these feet that he washes. And these hands should not be washing these feet. It should be the other way around. Because these feet are covered not only with dirt from the road, but the dirt of sin. Just earlier, these, we know Luke tells us that these guys have been arguing over who's the greatest. <laughs> so it's fitting that no one wanted to wash anyone's feet when they come walking in here because I'm not going to lower myself and wash your feet. I'm greatest in this, um, this group. Pride-infested hearts. These are the feet that would soon be running down the road away from his side. The feet that would soon betray him, deny him, doubt him. These are feet that uh, do not deserve to be washed by these hands. And yet our God is washing the feet of sinners. And so Peter verbalizes what I think I know I would be thinking, we'd probably all be thinking is, this is so wrong in verse 6, Peter, Simon Peter, when he, uh, the Lord came to him, he said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And it's, you can almost, <laughs> I'm sure Jesus is thinking, all right, Peter, just go with it. He says, you do not realize now what I'm doing for you, but you will soon understand. Peter, I'm trying to make a point. Go with me here. Peter says, no. Pulls his feet back, I'm sure. He says, you, you will never wash my feet. And then Jesus explains, unless I wash you, you have no part with me then Lord Simon Peter replied not just my feet but wash my hands and my head just give me a bath um, wash me wash all of me and Jesus answered those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you and he's and then John includes this for he knew who was going to betray him and that is why he said not every one of them was, was clean. Jesus, this is very symbolic what he's talking about here, and it's, but it's helpful for us. What's he explaining to Peter? And one of the first things he explains is we need a bath to be cleansed. And 11 of these guys had a bath. And what is that bath? That's salvation. It's when we put our faith and trust in Christ and our guilt before God is washed away. Our heart is cleansed. And we are right with God. This is the eternal life that we receive when we trust Christ as our Savior. Eleven of them were, had had a bath. Judas had not. But there's still a cleansing that needs to happen, a, a washing that needs to happen. And what is that washing? And it's indicated by the, where Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And what does that part mean? It's daily fellowship. And today, even as we live out the spiritual life, as the picture is we walk along life, our heart is cleansed, we're forgiven of our sin, but we pick up dirt, we sin against God, we, we, and our fellowship is interrupted with him. There's that lack of uh, intimacy and fellowship, and the only way we can restore fellowship is that Jesus washes our feet through his word. So we come to his word and we apply it to our lives and we confess our sin and repent and follow him today he washes our feet he continues to wash our feet and um, in, in, in this ministry and I think this is a for us as followers of Christ just another reason to, to thank him to praise him to if you're feeling distant from him it's a call to confess and, and to through his word 
one of the, um, for those of you who have walked with him for a while, it's significant things I learned this week as I was studying this out. And I, you see it throughout Scripture, Hebrews 10, other places. When the blood of Christ purifies us before God, but the water, when water is used in the Bible, it's used of washing our sin. Blood is Godward, water is manward, or symbolic of, of purifying us from our, our sin that gets in the way of fellowship. Waters of baptism symbolize this. Uh, Ephesians 5, you see the water of the word washing away. You see that in Hebrews 10 as well. So this is instructive to us as we follow Christ. This is also, I think, a gracious warning to Judas. And isn't it interesting, even here in this final moment, Jesus has given Judas a, like, hey, I know you're sitting around the table and you know you're not clean. In a room this size, I can't help but think one of us here today needs a bath, meaning Judas was following Jesus because what Jesus could do for him, cultural Christianity. In our country right now, the primary religion is Christian. Therefore, coming to church, following Jesus is the in thing to do. It's good for your kid, right? If, if your kid's going to church, it sounds good at school. Hey, yeah, they're a good kid. They go to Westbridge, whatever. It's good for your job, you know? Yeah, that connections. If you sell something, hey, now you got a lot of people that you can talk to and they think you're a good guy because you show up at church or whatever. You know, it's, and you're using Jesus for your purpose and you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior and surrendered your life to him as your Lord. And there'll be a moment when following Jesus will mean sacrifice, may mean poverty, may mean death, may mean losing your job. May mean your, your kids are not going to be popular, whatever. And in that moment, moment of truth. But this moment is a gift where God's saying, even through here, trust me. Be cleansed. But moving on. The, uh, the main point of the, the text is coming up here. And this is where uh, it gets good. This is... Uh, Actually, this is where we hit the accelerator, and we're going to fly. So is everybody checked, seatbelt checked? Here we go. This is going to lead us into our theme for this coming year. Here it goes. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to, the, to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, infinitely superior to you in every way, have washed your feet, sinners, you also should wash one another's feet. And here's the core text. I have set you an example that you should, and in your Bible you might circle the word do, as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than, than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one he's, who sent him. So again, he circles back to that same argument. If I, infinitely above you, have washed your feet, you as equals, how much more should you wash one another's feet? And by wash one another's feet, what's the, the core principle that flows out of this? And this is simply the calling of Jesus. Follow me into a life of love in motion, humbly serving one another. Follow me into a life of love 
in motion, humbly serving those around you. Love is pursuing the good of someone, and here we see it, it involves action, movement. Do as I have done for you. It's interesting how the, this core text, it, I think that the words that just jump to us, Jesus said, follow me, which indicates action, and then he says, do as I have done for you. It, it's, it's movement, it's action, it's love in motion, it's the one who is supreme in every category saying, now follow me and humbly serve the people around you, even the Judas in your life, the one who, who will do or has done you evil. And so, putting this all together, here's our theme for this coming year. So here's the, the North Star that where we're going to just charge as a church family. The simple calling, follow me. Do we have that main slide up here that we could just put up that Abby put together? Is Abby Bickle in the house? She so appreciated her using her graphic gifts. But this is it. Follow me. Let's do some good. And that little phrase, let's do some good, it's all over Scripture, but it's where it comes right out of that text where Jesus says, I have set you an example. Do for one another as I have done for you. Let's do some good. Let's do some good. Let's do some good. Good for the glory of God. Good empowered by Him. For his glory. Follow me. Let's do some good. Let's get up from the table and wash some feet. When God got up from the table, he got busy washing feet. He says, Follow me. I just picture you and me, you know, when we come to our moments of, uh, you know, every day really is just like getting up from the table and going to wash some feet. Let's go do some good. One thing I love about this text is that Jesus reveals the secret to happiness at the end of it. He says, verse 17, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you talk about them, if you study them, if you exegete them, if you tweet them, if you, uh, you know, just think about them and, and sing about them. And all. No, what's he say? You, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. You will literally be happy if you team. What, what's he say? If you do them. Action movement but but how neat is it that he says this is the path to happiness. who would think happiness is found in a muddy bowl of water washing the feet of people who have done you wrong <laughs> it is talk to any counselor and they will tell you the people who are most miserable in life stuck in a quagmire of misery are those who are like why aren't they doing for me oh how they haven't done for me why don't people do this or that for me and they're stuck Worrying about people serving their needs. The happiest people in life are those who could care less what other people do for them. They wake up every morning with one goal. i got to find some feet to wash and wash them. Who can I serve? i got one goal. I just want to serve people. I don't care who, don't care how. I just want to serve people, and they are the happiest people in life. How does that happen? Right there, right? <laughs> the Creator's telling us, you want happy? It's here. Isn't that awesome? And that's going to be a byproduct of this coming year. I'm, I'm just calling it right now. God's going to give us some songs of joy and uh, moments of great joy. And with the joy of the Lord comes more strength, and it just keeps going. But I love that. Um, the vision this coming year is that as we move into action, this love and motion, we will all taste the joy of living out our, our, our life mission for the glory of God. Love and motion. 
So, what's this look like lived out in our everyday life? And we're going to be unpacking this week by week. And as you have examples, feel free to let me know. I promise I won't make you come up and tell it. But, uh, but uh, we, we just want to be doing this and, and talking about it and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds all, all year long. But here's one example that happened to Chad and I this past week. We were on the golf course, hole two of Twin Bridges, long par five. And if this is the hole, I was like back here, or a little further, 10 feet away, uh, getting ready to putt. The group behind us was about 200 plus yards behind us. Well, behind us, group of guys. But as I'm about to putt, a ball comes flying over my head and hits right over about five yards away from the, the hole. Shocked, great shot. But the dude almost hit me in the head. And I go from shocked to angered, starts rolling up, and I'm like, I'm going to go take that ball and chuck it in the creek, which was at the next hole. And then I thought about Chad. My son was over here. He could have hit my son. I'm getting more mad. I'm like, no, I'm not going to chuck the ball into the creek. I'm going to march back to his cart, and I'm going to give him a courtesy he didn't give me. I'm going to chuck it at the, his cart, but at least he can see it coming. And uh, he'll never forget that, never do that again. And I'm just, and God in his grace, I don't remember this happening before, but it was like he put on a billboard in my mind the word patience. <laughs> and he allowed me just to start praying towards patience. And I'm like, Lord, give me patience. Give me patience. Help me respond with patience to what this guy just did. But I'm getting madder and madder the more I think about it. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, say something positive. Say something positive when he comes. And uh, sure enough, I turn back, and he's just barreling down the fairway and coming my way. So I turn to come his way, and as he gets out, he's just completely repent. Man, I don't know what happened. I hit it wrong, and it just, and uh, he was just so sorry for what he did. And so I'm thinking to myself, say something uh, positive. So I'm like, that was a great shot, but what in the world? My hand. <laughs> and then, then I'm like, I can't say anything else. And I turn around, and just as I'm turning around, his buddies had come down with him to flank him, just in case I'm guessing he got in a fight. And one of his buddies shouts out, Hey, man, you're lucky that was a pastor. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Lord. Chad's like, Man, that was a great lesson, wasn't it? I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your grace, just to put patience in my mind and, and keep me from doing, ruining my testimony before the Lord is the most important thing. But then I represent us, you know, just as you do, uh, as you go out in, into your world. But all week I was thinking, you know, what, I, why did I get so mad? One, but what was a right response? What would have been the most God-glorifying response? And Friday afternoon, after sucking in this text, I saw it. It was the ball mark. When his ball hit the green, it dug deep and it, it left this huge ball mark. And courtesy in golf is to fix the ball marks when you do that. You kneel down and you, you know, put it, fix it so it's good for the next golfer. What if I had walked over there and knelt down and fixed his ball mark? Ah, oh, would have been hard, but would he have ever forgotten that? And then walk back to him and say, hey, man, let him repent and then deal with it. Like, hey, you're not going to do that again, right? You could have hurt us, blah, blah, blah. He knows that. But then I thought that was probably one of the best shots that guy will ever take in his life. And 
the joy of it was lost because he almost hit me. And so what if I could restore that joy? Like Jesus does. He, he cares about the joy of his disciples at the end of it. So what if I had said, man, I, I, honestly, I'm ticked at you right now, but I did the same thing at Deer Creek. Rob and I were out playing there, and I hit into some, some women were below the hill, and we didn't see them. And we hit into those girls, and they ripped us up down. I've never been yelled at like I was yelled at that day. And I deserved it. You know, hey, man, you hit into me. We all do it. Don't let that steal the joy of hitting an amazing shot. Go eagle that thing. Wouldn't that have been cool if I had the, it took me a week to get there. So now that's sanctification, right? Trying to lessen that gap. <laughs> but uh, what's the world need right now? In this crazy conflict-filled, divisive-filled. It needs some people just following Jesus, doing good. Washing the feet of the people around us. Um, whoever whoever that, that person may be. And so, bringing it all together, the call of Jesus to each one of us is, follow me, let's do some good. The simplicity of it, I think this year is going to be a gift to us. But it's going to be a, a call to movement, to action. Follow me into a life of humble, loving service. Do as I have done for you. So, what's neat about this vision is, and this calling of our Lord is, we can all do it. I, I love the fact of the, the simplicity of, of simply serving. It, whether you are back in the mix of everything and, or, or you're still stuck in quarantine, you can still serve, whatever that looks like, even if it means just praying for somebody. It, we can all do it regardless of our age. You know, whether you're four or you're 44, or you're almost as old as Lord Mahan, who's almost 65, or you're 95. <laughs> you, we can do this, right? You don't need an education to do this. You don't even need a high school education to do this. You don't need college. That doesn't matter. We can all do this. Don't you love it? And this is the path to happiness. You can have a blessed life. Make a difference. Live out your calling as you do this. So I'm going to describe someone right now. And uh, this is going to be, we're going to call this the uh, Guess Who This Is game. Okay, you guys ready? Guess who this is. This person is living Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, spirit-empowered, a unifying force. This person is an unstoppable force for good. They're an oasis of hope to people who are hurting. They're a defender of the weak and the vulnerable, a friend to the outcast and the sinner. They're close like a brother and a sister in times of trouble, showing up to help. They're a courageous leader, a servant of all, a gift 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 to this broken world did you guess who, who it is you know who i'm talking about you it's you right that's god's calling that's the possibility and what if we get a bunch of us stepping into that heads up heads up amen Amen. First step is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Next step is a commitment to follow him. And God works in those commitment moments. And right here at the outset of this new ministry year, could we just sanctify these moments? And wherever you are, just reaffirm, Jesus, I'm in. If you're, uh, 
where the church family is going this year, I'm in. I want to follow you, and I want to do some good, the good that you've called me to do. And would you, as we pray, I just encourage you, whether here in this room or at home, just verbalize your commitment to the Lord as we set out to follow him into this new year. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives, for opening our eyes to the beauty of Jesus and allowing us to trust him. And, and then, Jesus, I thank you for your calling to, to just follow you, taking on humanity and showing us how to live in this broken world in a way that brings you glory, good to others, and joy to, to our hearts. And I thank you for where you've led us, Lord, to this point, to, uh, to just reaffirm, fix our eyes on you, and then to get up from the table and to do what you've called us to do, humbly serving the people around us. Lord, we just verbalize our commitment. We need your help to keep it, but we just tell you in these moments, we're in. We know that we battle pride and selfishness and all kinds of other things, but to the best of our abilities, Lord, we're in. And we ask that you would just use us as a church family this year. Help us to notice needs and, and then to meet those needs for your glory. I pray that it wouldn't be mixed with pride or a desire to be known or appreciated or, or all those things, but just out of gratitude for the reality that you wash our feet daily. You've done so much for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.